Hello, my name's Puno and I'm the founder of I Love Creatives and this is Girl Boss Radio. We've sprinkled some episodes about marketing in this season. Some of my favorites, actually. There was the TikTok marketing one with Vanessa Acosta of Wasi Clothing, which I loved because she's a solopreneur and she grew a business just with TikTok. It's a great example of how you don't have to do every single platform when you get started, especially if you are just one person. And you could pick one, double down on it, and create a community there. There's also an episode with Trelawney Davis where we talked about building brands because she worked everywhere, Disney, West Elm, Parachute, and now she's at Nike. And that was a really great example of how you can be a part of the team as an employee to not just keep brands relevant, but also become a brand that you actually really like, you know? (laughs) That's not easy. So today we're gonna be talking about e-commerce marketing, digital marketing because that is the world that we live in now. And unfortunately, it's something that probably isn't taught in schools. I have a website called I Love Creatives and we have job listings. And every week there's some e-commerce brand. As a web designer, I'm always talking to digital marketers. And something that always comes up is how hard it is to find digital marketers to hire. And I was like, oh man, that sucks because it's a great job and it pays really well. It's also a really important part of the business. In 2021, there were 2.1 million online retailers in the United States. That's 2.1 million potential digital marketing jobs. (laughs) The part that's tough about Getting into digital marketing is that you have to be incredibly resourceful and curious and be comfortable with technology or at least know how to be curious enough to mess around with it, you know? The thing about digital marketing though is that it is constantly changing. And the way that you're gonna be able to be great at your job is to actually not do what everybody else is doing. So you can't really just take a course or go to school and like learn how to do email marketing, how to create campaigns. I mean, that's just a tiny baby part of digital marketing, but I I really love that stuff. And I feel like anybody can learn it. You just have to approach the job with, I don't know the answers, but I'm gonna find out. (laughs) But I'm gonna find out, Mm mm-hmm. What I know about digital marketing is that it is vital for an online business. In terms of who's gonna get hired really quickly, it's going to be a digital marketer because you just have to have it. I feel like I'm just pitching this digital marketing job. Everybody become a digital marketer. But kinda, I just think it's like one of these jobs that exists that no one's really hunting for. And one of the biggest advantages to it is that because it's online, there's actually analytics to back up how much revenue you've generated for the company, which means you have leverage to ask for a lot of money. And the salary ranges for digital marketing, you know, it can start off as like 42, but it can go all the way up to 200K, even more. It really just depends on the revenue of the company and how savvy, as you'll find out with our guest today, how you can show your actual value and also If you are planning to build your own online business, this is the best training you could ever get and get paid while doing it. 
aka be your own angel investor, you know? And that's exactly what today's guest did. Kaylee McCloyd, she's done a lot of digital consulting. That's actually how I met her. She worked with Laundry Day, who we actually did an episode with, Herbivore, Basic Space, Pleasures. But she started off as an online marketing specialist at shoes.com, which we are going to talk about. And then she became the digital director of The Hundreds. I love talking to digital marketers, people who are actually doing the damn thing, because there's so much to talk about. We're not talking about the top 10 tips, like we're talking about things that she actually experimented with, things that didn't work, and things that were like, whoa, that really worked, but wait a minute. (laughs) And now she's using all of that experience and just launched a healthcare brand called OEM with her partner, It's Japanese-inspired drugstore products. You have to check out the website. It's beautifully designed. It's a great brand. So before this interview, I had met Kaylee once, and we just hit it off. And I think the reason why we hit it off is because she's so transparent and so real. And so the world's your oyster at that point. You can talk about anything. Obviously, digital marketing is one of my favorite topics. It's like business strategy meets psychology, meets design, meets data analysis, meets apps. I love apps. I think this job title, this career, it's just so fascinating how quickly it's evolving and how it needs to evolve. And I really hope that for those of you that might be looking for a new path, that this will open your eyes to the world of digital marketing slash e-commerce marketing slash whatever. They don't know what to call it because it's new, you know? (laughs) All right, let's get into it. I'm so excited for you to be here because I think that you have this job that is like in crazy demand. And I just want to explore that. But first, what would your title be today? Today, I mean, it's it's changing because I'm starting a business. Sure. I mean, in the past at a company, uh, working for another company would be digital director. Okay. Because I was was snooping on your LinkedIn. Yeah. And I feel like there's lots of different titles for what you do. Yes. Okay. Let's break it down first, what you do. Okay. It's a lot of different things. And I actually picked the title digital director. You picked it yourself. I picked it. I went to my boss and I was like, I want to be the digital director. Okay. And when I go asking for a raise or promotion, I go with like three pages (laughs) of like evidence. I'm like, this is the market right now. These are the digital directors out there. This is what they do. This is what they're paid. Right. This is what I'm doing. So basically... You know, I went in there saying like, you know, I'm not just a digital marketer. You know, there's various components that are all connected to the digital world. And it's all the touch points in digital. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you're doing digital marketing, you're very focused on like the one component. But if you can look at the entire picture, I think it's very useful for doing a good job at digital marketing. Because you need to know like what's going on in customer service. Mm -hmm. What's going on in our back end, in our e-commerce, our platform. Mm -hmm. You know, what's going on in the numbers and the data and our inventory. Uh, So it's understanding the entire kind of cycle and flow of things. Yeah. Rather than just being like, okay, I'm going to run ads. But like if you're going to run ads, you got to know like what are the customers complaining about? You know, what is our inventory like? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to advertise a product that's out of inventory. Right. So what's interesting is you are now starting your own business. Yeah. But 
you have had a pretty great career already mm -hmm. as a digital director. Yeah. Let's dive into your LinkedIn. <laughs> Let's do it. So in your LinkedIn, at one point, you were VP of growth at Resass. Yes. Resass. <laughs> the Real Estate Social Network. The Real Estate Social Network. Yeah. And then you went from VP of growth to an online marketing specialist yeah. at Shoes. Yeah. And then became the digital director at The Hundreds. Yeah. With Bobby. Hey. Yeah. Hey. hey. So, first of all, like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but also, I think I'm familiar with what you do because yeah. I build websites. Yeah. And I understand, especially, like, being someone who had... So, I was a UX designer. Yeah. And that job was fiction yeah. and became a reality when the iPhone came out. Yeah. And I'm looking at your timeline and you graduated college around 2013, mm -hmm. which is when Shopify yeah. became a bigger thing. Yeah. Shopify was around like 2006 or whatever. But so you were growing up with Shopify. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I wasn't even familiar with what Shopify was. Wait, what did you do in college? I did marketing, but it was, yeah, I did business specialized in marketing. Um, but we were talking about like advertising more than anything in those courses. That's the same thing with me. Mm -hmm. I graduated 2006, but in the business school then it was like, you're only talking about the three P's. Yeah. <laughs> Is it four? Product, price, place, promotion, four P's. <laughs> Failed it. <laughs> That's oh the first. Question. How much did we spend for that? For those four pieces, twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> so I didn't even it. get to the so fourth. I didn't even get to the fourth fucking fee. Uh, right. So we had those. We had the peas, and then it was all about advertising. Yeah. Everything was advertising. Yeah. Which even today has become a totally different oh, industry. Completely. But like when I was in school, we had to do finance accounting, economics, everything. And I I just was like, I sucked at everything except marketing. <laughs> Financial accounting was like the worst course. Like I think it was the most failed course in Canada at the time. Uh, and I failed it. <laughs> but you failed it, but that's kind of like a big part of what you do now. I know, it's so funny. But the thing is, I feel like what they were teaching us to do is like, was so unnecessary. Yeah. And now... What I figured out when I left school was like, there's tools out there that can just like do the work for me. I'm like, I don't need to do all of this work. Yeah. Like there's tool like Google Sheets is like my best friend. Oh my gosh. And yeah. like, I'm I mean, not, the Google Sheets isn't going to do the calculation for you. You kind of, you need to know formulas, but yeah. like, I just realized that like there's tools out there that can help you. And if you just know a few simple formulas, you can get by like pretty far. And honestly, I'm just, I'm not someone who learns well in school, like, because you want context. Yeah, I don't. So that, that's why, like, in my third year, I was playing varsity sport. I was playing field hockey for my college for the first three years. And in my fourth year, I quit because I was like, I'm not going to be a field hockey star. Like, this is not going to be a career for me. So I quit that. And I just got, like, four jobs. And I was like, I need to, like, just work as much four. as possible. <laughs> it's a lot. I, for some reason, I, I just wanted to graduate college and go straight into a good job. Oh. I wanted to, like, I'm just impatient. And I, like... I just wanted to do as much of the learning of those like internships and like entry level jobs as possible. 
during that time so I can get out of college and get like a real job. Yeah. And I felt like I was behind because I had spent like three years playing field hockey and not working on the side because um, I didn't have time for that. That mm -hmm. was like my full-time job. Mm -hmm. um, so I started working for the business school I was at, their marketing department, the department that actually like markets the program. Yeah. And so my job was like finding all the search engine like queries and like putting together SEO reports. And that was the first time I was like, oh, this is an interesting world. Like, what is this? And then I got an internship at a digital marketing agency. And same thing there. I was tasked with like finding keywords for clients, putting together like interest groups for Facebook ads. Were people teaching this to you or were you learning it on the side on your own? I'm the type of person who doesn't like to ask questions, which maybe is like, I mean, it's good and bad, but like, I like to figure things out myself. Okay. See, that's a different, it's not that you don't like to. Yeah. Yeah. I'll ask questions if I'm like, I need to, but mm -hmm. like, I want to like be able to come to them with a report and they're like, whoa, how did you figure this out? Like, mm -hmm. I want to like show them that I can just like figure that out myself. And that's what I love about digital marketing and just digital in general. It's like, it's all out there. Just Google it. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I know. I, it's, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the funny thing is that so many people think it's so hard to get into, but it's probably the most accessible like career. Meaning you don't have to go to a four-year college. No, you don't. I did not need that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it was good. There was good foundational stuff. So you're learning SEO. Yeah. You're learning search engine optimization, yeah. which coming into it, what was that? Like, what was your job? You were su just supposed to find keywords Keywords yeah. that this company, if somebody was searching for, they could bid on? Yeah. Or was it like content marketing? No, more for bidding, more for like, because the agency I was working for was doing a lot of, yeah, paid advertising, mm -hmm. um, AdWords. And it was su such random businesses. I was finding keywords for like a truck weighing station. You know, like those yeah. way stations that like, I don't know why you'd need to advertise those, but apparently they had a client who was advertising the trucking way stations. That's the keyword. <laughs> <laughs> so like I had to find all the keywords around trucking way stations. Yeah. Well, okay. But you were loving this though. I just like, no one had talked about it. Yeah. Like I had never like, I just went, I literally was like at the end of my four year experience in college and they introduced two digital marketing classes while I was there in my, in my last year. And they were cute. <laughs> like <laughs> they were trying. It's probably one of the hardest things to make a curriculum for because 100%. it changes like constantly. Oh, hundred percent. To this day, if I'm not working on a, an ad account for like a month or two and I jump back in, I'm like, oh my God, it's a whole nother ball game. Like the algorithms changed, like they're weighing the interface changed. the interface changed. So you can get behind really fast. So I recognize how hard it is to teach that, but it was kind of funny. I mean, the one class, e-marketing class, they basically just e taught marketing. us e-marketing class. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was called. It's funny because there's a lot of terms for what you do, oh my gosh. but e-marketing is not yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so... In that class, they taught us how to like set up an AdWords account, literally like the step by step. And they, they already like hold your hand through it. Like Google does a great job at that. Yeah. But that was it. We set up an AdWords account and that was like the class. And I was like. They it, didn't tell you how to bid no or how to. Not really. I mean, like they might have touched it and maybe like I don't remember. Like that's all I remember. But yeah. I just remember thinking like at the time I was interning at this agency, I was like, I'm learning so much more in the job. 
And that's why, you know, I say to so many people who are like, oh, like, what do I need to study? What do I need to do? I'm like, just find an agency intern, start at the bottom and take on as much as you can. Yeah. In this specific industry, yeah, it's so much more about being able to have something tangible. Yeah. You, this is not a theoretical business. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, you can learn the terminology, but it's never going to stick until you have a product you actually have to sell. Right. It's not going to make any sense until you're doing it. Mm-mm. And that's why the, my first job at Resas, which is real estate as a software, as a service, which was like during that like tech exciting, like, you know, yeah. Yeah. tech startup period. SaaS, SaaS, SaaS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was like the perfect job because I was getting these like hints of like what was going on at the agency I worked at working at the school. I also was interning at Quicksilver Canada, like their headquarters in Vancouver. Um, So learning little things from each of those. And then I went to this company and that was my first like full-time job. As VP of growth? No. (laughs) I definitely like skipped a lot of things on my LinkedIn. Like I just put the things I'm like most proud of. Yeah, sure. Of course. Wait, so what did you start off as Uh, at Resass? My title was like marketing assistant or something. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time they had hired any marketing people. And so they were a fairly new company and it was all like developers. And so the person who hired me was the VP of growth at the time. And he used to be a developer. He was the CTO, became the VP of growth because he got into marketing and was interested in that stuff. So there's a really interesting crossover where developers move into marketing and it becomes like growth hacking. Right. And this was like really hot at the time. Oh, 2013. Oh my God. That was so big. Best time to be growth hacking. (laughs) I'm like so ashamed of everything I did then. Okay, wait, what's the what's the most awful thing? Basically, growth hacking is essentially like finding a really hacky way to market your product or find customers. Mm-hmm. So my hacky way was DMing people on Twitter. And then I think what turns it into a hack versus just digital marketing, yeah, yeah, is because it's almost like a roundabout way of doing things yeah. sometimes. Yeah. It's not very direct. It's not no. like paid ads would yeah. never be called growth hacking. Yeah. No. It's more like, okay. It's how a backdoor. D- yeah. It's a backdoor. And there's something a little manual about it sometimes. Yes. That's how it starts. Until you get a, a developer who can help you yeah, make so people map. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would test certain things like test the DMing. And then I would be like, okay, this is taking a long time, but it's working. I'm converting people. How can I automate and scale this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and That's so, the growth hacking. Yeah, that is the that hacking part. It, that is it right there. <laughs> That's where it comes in. You take a manual and you're like actually going to yeah. make it scale. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So then it's finding tools like Zapier or Zapier. I think it's Zapier, but Daniel says Zap because you zap something. Yeah. It's Zapier. I love Zapier. Zapier. I was obs- like during that period, it was like my best friend. For people who don't know what Zapier is, how would you describe it? It's kind of like an if-then if formula. Yeah. So it's like you can and you can integrate so many different platforms like Shopify, Twitter, Klaviyo, like any of the tools that you're using. Mm-hmm. And you could be like, OK, if I get a DM or if I get a subscribe on this page where their UTM is maybe I'm going too granular here. Well, you would um, get that granular? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah. So like if I was like DMing people on Twitter, I would say, here's a link to sign up for this like network that we have. 
And they would sign up on the page. And then I would use, I think it was like MailChimp at the time. Mm -hmm. And I would send an email based on the UTM. So I knew they came from Twitter. I'd be like, oh, hey, like I reached out to you. This is Kaylee from like the Twitter DM an email form. Okay. So for people who don't know what a UTM is, a UTM is basically just lines of code or characters, words, letters that go after URL Mm -hmm. and Google analytics or anyone Mm -hmm. can read it. It sounds more technical than what it is. You can literally Google create UTM Mm -hmm. and most digital marketers use that so that they can track where people are coming from, but there's no like, this isn't cookies. This isn't any of that. It's literally just words that are latched on to a URL. And just a tip for anybody who's listening, you should know what a UTM code is Mm -hmm. um, because it's just going to help you understand where people are coming from. Anytime you make a shortened link, like a tiny link or a a bit.ly link, you can always add UTM codes Mm -hmm. onto that. So you were adding UTM codes onto your Twitter posts. Yeah. And then I was customizing the experience. So what I learned with like growth hacking and even just marketing and probably in school too, was that there's like the marketing funnel. Uh, And so customers go through this journey and you need to be thinking about the entire journey, not just one point. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to figure out what are the different channels where I could acquire new users for a platform and what would their entire journey look like? I guess... What I've talked about so far is mostly the growth hacking side of, you know, working there. Uh, And that was what I did mostly in my role as marketing assistant. But I eventually moved up. My boss, who was VP of growth, left. They gave me the role. Wow. Yeah. That was Uh, like a year or two years in? Yeah, like a year or two in. And I was like 24, 25 at the time. And that was a huge role for me. Uh, VP of growth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the growth hacking stuff sounds like juvenile, but it like got quite advanced. We got to a point where we went from when I started, they had like 300 users and I got them to like 300,000. <gasps> the email lists really work. Wow. So they were like, okay, like it's working. Um, so they gave me that role. And this whole time, are you learning all of this on your own? Yeah, basically. My boss, who was the VP of growth before he left, he introduced me to this platform called Mm growthhackers.com. And it was like a forum. There's a community there. People were doing like AMAs. I would just go on there every day and I would look for like a new thing I could try. Mm -hmm. Um, And the great thing was like, I wasn't, no one was like watching over me. No one was like, you had a total autonomy. I did. And I was just like this kid out of school, like I'm just going to play around with like, and it was like magic to me. I could just mass DM people on Twitter and then like, instantly, like an hour later, I see signups coming in. There's like adrenaline that comes with that. Yeah. And it's very addicting. Yeah. Um, and so I got very like hooked to that feeling of like getting more subscribers. Um, and they gave me this role and I started doing more digital advertising then. Uh, so I started playing around with Facebook ads. And back then it was awesome because it was still fairly new. Yeah. And the algorithm was completely different. And I was getting like one cent, two cent CPCs, like insane. Okay. So CPCs are cost per click. Yeah. And these days, if you were to run the same ads, how much would those? A dollar. A dollar. Yeah. So it went from two cents to a dollar. Yeah. It was, and I think I was doing it in a way that was, I think I was getting a really good deal, like compared to like most people at that time. And I was doing really unique things with segmenting audiences and Eventually, like, Facebook, like, called me up and they're like, what are you doing? Like, 
your CPCs are so <laughs> cheap. And they're like, how are you doing this? And they flew out and like met with me <gasps> and like... <laughs> Yeah, and because like I wasn't just getting cheap CPCs because like there's ways to kind of do that if you're like just doing broad targeting or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But I was doing like hyper segmentation and it was working really well. And then we were getting conversions on our landing page. We weren't just sending a bunch of like useless traffic. We were sending like high converting traffic to our website. Yeah. You know, we were targeting realtors. I think the age demographic, I think a lot of things like lent towards us doing well with Facebook ads. Yeah, and and just to like kind of, expand on that having a niche Mm -hmm. knowing exactly Mm -hmm. who and the other thing too is realtors will say that they're realtors on their Facebook page oh yeah they're public about that for sure like you can't be like um if you wear lipstick yeah yeah no one's gonna be like I'm a lipstick wearer (laughs) in my bio (laughs) yeah but realtors have to because they're also trying to market themselves yeah so it's so much easier and then also the demographic yeah yeah. Is huge and, and more older people mm-hmm. use Facebook ads. Yeah. Also, older people are, might not be as savvy to yeah. ignore yes, ads. Exactly. Yeah. Which makes me feel like I'm taking advantage of them, but but yeah. So that's <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get into that. Like I, yeah. things change. Yes, things change. This things was change. early days. Right. And you weren't as conscious about like cramming ads down people's throat. Like you weren't like, you know, as conscious about like using their data or things like that. Um, And so, yeah, Facebook came in, they flew in, they were like, what are you doing here? Like, how can we support you? Um, And essentially they then headhunted me to move to my next job. No way. (laughs) They were like, we have a much bigger budget for you to spend at this other place. And we think you should go there. (gasps) And that was shoes. Yeah. Shoes.com. Were you a little worried leaving this company that you became the VP of growth at? I mean, I was young. It was a startup. Those titles are like, okay, they're lofty. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) it's not hard (laughs) to move your way up. If you're working hard and they recognize it, you'll get, you you know, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot easier to become VP of growth at like a 25 person startup than like, you know, a big company. This episode was brought to you by Hair Story. I've been trying out Hair Story's new wash. It's a sulfate detergent and shampoo-free hair cleanser. You're probably like, okay, wait, what is what is it then? If it is not shampoo? I don't know, ever since I turned 30, my hair has become more dry and I just, I need it to be more hydrated. So Hair Story's new wash has all these natural ingredients that don't strip away your hair's protective barrier and only removes excess oil and dirt. Basically all the good stuff that keeps your hair hydrated, that's staying put. Namaste. Nah, amaste on your head. The other thing about it is there's absolutely no suds. And Hair Story says that suds are like the number one sign your shampoo is bad. Essentially, if it foams, it strips. What I thought was really interesting when I tried it is that it replaces your shampoo and conditioner. I feel like I have so many different bottles in my shower and this is just one, all in one. I do have to say though that (laughs) there is an extra product that I liked a lot and it was the hair balm, which was essentially this air drying cream that it just kind of gives it more of a polished finish and that worked 
so perfectly. I just put a little bit in my palm and then just boop, 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 pat down on the, on the frizz. It was really great. Anyways, I really enjoyed my experience with it. So if you want to try it out, check out HairStory at HairStory.com and you can use the promo code GIRLBOSS to get 15% off your first purchase. That is H-A-I-R-S-T-O-R-Y.com and use the code GIRLBOSS to get 15% off. Okay, so when you go to shoes, mm-hmm. you went from VP of growth to online marketing specialist. Yeah, so almost like a backstep. Yeah. But for me, they're a much bigger company. So I went from like a 25-person company and this was like a 400, 500-person company. They were doing such advanced things with their their advertising. They were working with, on like multiple platforms. And basically like I interviewed with them and they were like, we've got this budget for you. And you can play around with this and like test out as many different ad platforms as you want. And I was like, this is a huge learning opportunity. So can you just give me an idea of the budgets that you used to work with and then these new budgets? It probably was like a couple thousand a month, like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe 10,000, like, you know. Very small amounts. Small amounts. Yeah. And we were doing a lot with it, like those one cent, two cent clicks. Yeah, (laughs) you you can do a lot when... (laughs) But, yeah, one cent, two cent clicks. Oh my yeah. God. You don't but, need more than that. No, oh God. There's not enough realtors out there. Yeah. But, um, but there's a lot more people buying shoes. I mean, everyone wears shoes. True. <laughs> that is so it's true. It's a big audience. You definitely don't need to have an audience for that. Yeah. So, um, so those budgets were like 10x of that or? My, my first budget was $3 million. For for how long? For a year. Wow. Yeah. There was so much value I got from working at a startup. Like I, I even got to pitch to investors. We traveled with them and I got to dive into numbers and like pitch revenue channels and, and work with developers. And that was like the best experience. But I just knew it was like coming to an end there. Mm-hmm. And I needed to like expand my skills set somewhere else and um figure out what industry I want to work in too. Cause real estate wasn't like super, you know, I wasn't like passionate about real estate, Yeah. but I always loved fashion. I like had a little fashion blog. I had like a headband business. I like secretly was always like dabbling in it. Yeah. Uh, and to me that shift was like, okay, I can move into the fashion industry uh, by going to shoes.com and get some experience in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I also got experience in e-commerce and got introduced to Shopify uh, and Magento. We were using multiple platforms at the time. Wow. Yeah, because we actually, it was three businesses in one. Okay. It was shoes.com, onlineshoes.com, and shoemi.ca. And they all were purchased and kind of like meshed together, but still running separate sites. So I was running ads for all three sites. And yeah, I had this like healthy budget were you the only person who was doing this? I was the only person doing display and social advertising. We had a team, like a whole team doing search advertising, which is like a whole nother beast in itself. Mm-hmm. I can do search advertising, but I think it's a very specialized position too. For anybody who's listening, how do you know that you're like, you are a search advertising yeah. kind of person? <laughs> Split the way they look. <laughs> no, no, no. How do you know? I guess like... What do you have to like or what... Hmm. Why are you not that person? Search. Okay. Okay. So search is interesting because there's no visuals. It's all words. So it's a lot more technical and you have very limited copy space. So you can't get like super creative, but you have to like work within like a tight, very tight window. 
and you have to know what are the like the keywords to use. So for me, I am like, I'm also creative. I, you know, I like having imagery. I like, you know, playing around with visuals uh, and landing pages and things like that. So I think for the search side, it's a lot more technical. Whereas like display, it's like, what imagery should we use? Mm -hmm. Um, And search is a lot more about the keywords that you're targeting. Whereas like social is like, what interests am I targeting? Uh, What are their demographics? You know, it's much more diving into interests and, you know, your behavior online uh, than search would be. Than words. Yeah. 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 Just straight up words. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is, I mean, search is awesome because like, and it's one of the best converting channels because it's, you're actively looking for something. Right. And you're targeting someone as they're actively looking for something. Mm -hmm. So they're already in that mindset for it. Whereas social is a little more challenging. You're trying to like, you know, get their attention by like flashing an image or like having like, you know, the right copy. But, uh, so it is a different beast. And what did you learn in this job with a $3 million budget? Um, so basically what I did was test out as many different advertising platforms as possible. Uh, so I was testing out Critio, Conversant, Steelhouse, like, I don't even know if they exist. Some of these like, no, (laughs) I don't even know what you're talking about. So there's like, you know, we all know of social advertising, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, but there's all these display networks as well. So uh, when you go to a lot of websites, they're using display networks like Critio mm-hmm. or Conversant. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the banner ads. Yeah, the banner ads that you see that follow you everywhere, mm-hmm. that retarget you. And so my job was reaching out to these different platforms, trying to get the best deal we could with them on like CPCs or CPMs. CPCs are cost, cost per, per click, click CPMs. CPMs. Cost per 1,000 impressions. Mm-hmm. Or CPA, which is cost per conversion, Mm -hmm. which is the best deal you can. But like no one wants to give you cost per conversion. Yeah. And the reason why is because they're like, we can't guarantee that someone's going to buy your thing. They don't like the risk. No. Yeah. Expensive. It is. So, yeah, I was just negotiating with a lot of these like platforms and figuring out the best deal. And can like any small business go onto these platforms? You can, but some of them have, you know, you know what? The minimums are really high for some of these. Like they'll, you'll come in and they'll want you to guarantee you're going to spend like at least a thousand dollars in a week or something like that, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why social advertising is so awesome. Anyone can jump in, Mm -hmm. anyone can do it. And it's also why anyone can get into digital marketing. You don't even have to have a business. You could like set up an ad account and not do any ads. Yeah. (laughs) You can just create campaigns. Yeah. That don't even like run. Or if you have a small budget, just try running some ads. And that's how you learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like when I was learning, my mom was becoming a realtor. So I was like, mom, like I want to do ads for you. Like I'm going to advertise your business. So, and even if you have a friend, like, you know, let me spend like a hundred bucks on your business. (laughs) Like, you know? Yeah. That's just how you learn. That's how you learn. That's the only way. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So then you're learning about social, you're learning about all these different platforms Mm -hmm. and you were there for a year. Yeah. It was pretty short. And you were like the hundreds was next. Yeah. Well that, so this is when I was in Vancouver Okay. at shoes.com and my husband got an offer to come down to LA and work here. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm coming down. (laughs) I mean, we love Vancouver, but like we, we always wanted to live in other cities and travel. Yeah. Uh, and so I think through some connections at shoes.com, I got introduced to the hundreds and very luckily they were like, yeah, we need a digital person. 
and they, you know, were willing to sponsor me down there and my visa. Wow. Yeah. I was like kind of surprised. I was like, this is a huge deal. Thank you so much. Yeah. So yeah, I was very fortunate for them to take that chance on me mm-hmm. and invest in me to come down there. What did you start off as? So I started off as like digital marketing manager, but like for my visa, I said digital director. <laughs> Probably shouldn't say this. <laughs> Okay, so you you yeah. already went in already as a digital director. Yeah. Did you have to build a team or was it just you? They already had um, a team there, not necessarily under me. They kind of brought me on and they were like, we want to see where this team forms. They had never had a digital person before. Um, they had social media people, they had video people, they have content people, but never someone who was kind of overseeing the entire digital operation. Mm-hmm. So it was a new role for them. And uh, I think they just wanted to see like how the team would evolve with me there. And it kind of fell very naturally into place for me to have like a social media person under me to work with the editor on the website and the blog. And then very quickly, I was like, okay, I need the customer service team too, because this is a whole picture. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, I was there for a year before I went to them and I was like, I pitched them on a promotion and how I see this position evolving and like really involving like the entire kind of marketing team almost. And this is the first time that you're managing people too? Uh, No. So when I was at Recess, I managed a team of probably four or five. Okay. Um, And then when I was at Shoes.com, I had like one guy under me, but mm-hmm. yeah, I came in here. So now I've formed probably a team of like six or seven. So that was like the biggest team that I've managed. And so you come in and did you, you already had a plan of what you could do. Yeah. Well, I came in hot from this like shoes.com, like $3 million budget Yeah. (laughs) to this like streetwear brand. And they're like, no, we're not going to spend $3 million. (laughs) Yeah. So this is where like my whole idea of, of marketing and digital marketing was completely flipped. I came in there and I was like, I'm going to set up ads. We're going to target like your demographic. And we did a lot of things that worked. Like I came in there and I, I changed their email program. We did redevelop their website, did a brand new website. We shifted from Magento to Shopify. We made a lot of changes that were so essential in that first year, just to cleaning up like the back end, Mm -hmm. what was going on. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I said to them, I was like, let's, let's run some ads. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know if our like audience will go for that. And even at shoes.com, I, the average age of our demographic was 50. They were moms and they're right. 50 year old. And they're spending a lot of time on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And so when I moved to a streetwear brand and I said like, let's do ads. They're like, I don't, I don't think so. And I, was, I tested it out and you know what? Like kids don't care about that. <laughs> they see right through it. <laughs> you know, I was like advertising on Instagram and like, you know, it works a little, but they needed something more. They needed substance. Oh, uh, so you were just trying to do what you did at Shoes. Pretty much. And I was, I mean, I was talking, I was so, I didn't know how to talk to like teenage boys. Like, you know, I was so used to talking in like to realtors and like moms who were on Facebook, like buying shoes. Yeah. This is a totally different demographic. And so it was so interesting because it kind of like stopped me in this like progression I was going in with like advertising and, you know, Ben and Bobby were like, no, 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 this is not how we do it. We tell stories. And I was like, what? What's a story? <laughs> you know, like, I don't have time for stories. I'm going to run an ad. <laughs> so, so it was like a totally new thing to me, which seems kind of silly because like, you know, you go to school for marketing, you, you kind of learn about that stuff. But like when you get so caught up in this world of digital marketing, you start to disconnect yourself from the end consumer. Yeah. Because you're like, 
you're looking at a computer every day. You're looking at numbers every day. Yeah. Uh, you're seeing your customer as a number. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, no, no. Like we actually are like, we're like friends with our customers. <laughs> like these are our, like, you know, this is our community. Yeah. Like we have parties with these guys. Like we hang out with these guys. This is a community. It's not like a business necessarily. Uh, and their motto there is people over product. That stuck in my head as I was like kind of trying to figure out like, how do I navigate this new world? And so, you know, The Hundreds is born out of a blog. And so writing was very much in their DNA and storytelling was in their DNA. And so I, you know, I spent time with like the editor at the time and just like understanding like, how are we telling stories of like the product? Um, you know, how do we make the product about people? And I realized that like everything they do was every collaboration was with someone that they had a personal connection with. They weren't just collaborating for the sake of like getting sales. It was like, you know, local artists like Aaron Kai. And, you know, there was already a pre-existing relationship with Aaron Kai. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so our blog content, our blog was around for like years. And so there's already that history and that proof of that relationship. And so whenever we do collaboration, it's like, look at this like, lifelong relationship we've had with this artist. Uh, This is why we're doing this collaboration. Even just like the artwork used on the t-shirts, like he painted this, like when he was like, you know, it was a mural or something like that. We tell the entire story. Mm -hmm. And I realized the customers at the hundreds are loyal. Mm -hmm. Whereas like the customers at shoes.com would come and they'd be gone the next day. Mm. You know, they would go to the, another platform. They would go to Zappos. They weren't loyal to shoes. They were looking for the the best price yeah, or best deal. Yeah. The best yeah. deal. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And so it was really refreshing to look at our retention rates and see that some of these guys have been around since the very beginning of the hundreds. And yeah. now they have kids and their kids are wearing, you know, the hundreds, which is a crazy cycle. Yeah. But it was because they invested in the story. And if you can get a customer to, read for more than two seconds or to look at your brand for more than two seconds, they'll feel more invested and they'll stick around Mm -hmm. because they invested their time. So how did you take that? Like, were you like, okay, I'm going to make a video ad or (laughs) (laughs) I got to do do more emails? Um, You know, I really uh, moved away from advertising. I used it kind of at the bottom of the funnel. So when they've already invested time in the stories, I would actually retarget people who've read our blog posts because I know you're already like invested in our brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were also collaborating with some people who had their own platforms. Sure. And so if they share that, you know, we would get a lot of traffic that way. Mm-hmm. And I, we just kind of leaned into organic. And, you know, Bobby himself has like a huge following. So yeah. having like those different tools and like real people behind the brand, like having a face behind the brand made it so much easier to like people want to know there's other people. <laughs> they don't want to buy like product. They want to buy into an idea and a culture and like a feeling and a community mm-hmm. that they'll stick around for. Uh, but if they're just buying a product for the sake of the product, then like, you know, it's harder to like keep them around. Competitors mm-hmm. will swoop in and do the same thing. Yeah. Um, but you only you can create your culture and community. And a lot of brands nowadays, they're born through digital ads. They're, they're born on Instagram ads. Like mm-hmm. that's how they you know, come about. But my fear with that is that customers won't stick around because they didn't spend, they didn't invest time. They didn't read a story. They didn't connect with anyone in that process. Mm -hmm. Um, They just saw something in front of them, like two second thing. And they were like, yeah, I'll buy that. Like, you know, and I'm out, you know, it's hard to like connect with the customer that way. This episode is brought to you by Just Works. It just works. (laughs) 
I get it. <laughs> so Just Works makes it easier for you to start, run, and grow a business. Let me give you an example of how Just Works can help your business. So with Just Works, employees onboard themselves in minutes with this really simple software that it just makes a really great first impression. And then you can give them access to national large group health insurance plans and handle payroll and PTO requests. It's just all in one platform. Plus, it comes with JustWorks experts, 24-7 support for you and your team, which is great. It seems like a lot of companies are hiring remote employees these days, and JustWorks makes it simple to hire and manage remote employees across all 50 states. You don't have to guess when it comes to employee and tax regulations and requirements, because I don't even know where to start to guess with taxes. If I was on Jeopardy, which I definitely would not be, but if I was, and there is a category called taxes, I wouldn't pick it. Just, I wouldn't, I couldn't. I don't know, I can't do it. Also, I love time tracking, and you can save hours on time tracking that syncs with payroll. It's just boom, boom, there it is. Plus, you've got 24 seven expert support, as well as certified HR consultants to get answers to your questions whenever you need them. So find out how JustWorks can help your business by going to justworks.com. That's justworks.com for more info. So you started out doing keyword search, then you got into paid <laughs> yeah. and did it on social display ads. Mm -hmm. And now you're learning how do I utilize well, one, you have influencers mm -hmm. as founders. Yeah. How do you leverage them? Yeah. How do you leverage the community that they've built? Mm -hmm. So what were the new skills that you learned in this job? Um, I think it's really just storytelling and retention, paying attention to the people who've been around for a while. And so one of the things that we implemented while I was there was a membership program. And you got to reward the people who stuck around. Like that is so important. Um, and I think it's very easy for us to get distracted and focus on like that top funnel, feeding people in, feeding mm -hmm. people in. Mm -hmm. But if you're not focused on, like, I look at it like a sieve kind of thing. And it's like, all your customers are going to leak through mm -hmm. if you don't like close that up. Mm -hmm. Um, and you got to close up all your holes. Like when I went into the hundreds, they had this amazing foundation of storytelling, but they were leaking a few customers through some of the foundational stuff that I knew I could fix. And that was just like having a proper email system in place, like sending regular emails to our customers. Yeah. What is a proper email system? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few different things. Like there's two main things that you want to be doing. And I think drip emails are very important. So when people first subscribe, having a series of emails that introduces them to the brand eases them into your story mm -hmm. uh, without being too salesy. Like I get some drip emails that are like, okay, now buy our product. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know you. It's like, it is like dating. If I'm going to invest my money into you and my time, I need to know a little bit about you. Like, who are you yeah. and why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Today, customers really, they have, they have standards, <laughs> you know, environmental standards, um, you know, social standards. And they want to understand like what, what's your platform and what are you speaking to? Yeah. So when you're doing drip emails, I think it's really important not to jump into the sales component, but to actually just be like, this is our founding story. Mm -hmm. This is our founders. This is our team. This is what we're about. Like here are some stories you can read. Mm -hmm. um, so that was our kind of drip email strategy. And then we would have content emails for our blog that would go out maybe 
once every two weeks. And then we would have product emails. We were doing releases like once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of product emails that would maybe go out once or twice a week, but we would use segmentation to not overwhelm subscribers. Mm. How would you segment? Mostly just active and inactive subscribers. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, active would be people who've opened an email in the past. I think we were doing 180 or 90 days, probably 90 days. Mm -hmm. And then inactive people were people who just like haven't opened an email recently. Mm -hmm. Um, And we wouldn't bombard them. Instead, we'd actually create new strategies to get them back. Maybe like it's the subject lines different for them. It's like we have a special like offer to bring you back or something like that. Mm. Um, So... That was like part of like, you know, closing the sieve and like trying to like, you know, get rid of all these leaks uh, was putting that email program together. And then the website was a huge component. We completely redesigned the website, launched a new website, moved from Magento, which was this like old, really clunky, like hard to use backend system and moved to Shopify, which was super easy. And it just like had all the apps and tools that we needed. Yeah. Um, And so just making that change, I think our like conversion rate on our website, like it spiked. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what the percent was, but like it went up significantly. And just doing those things without even marketing, you can like actually improve your conversions. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was really important. And then to create this like loop, this loyalty loop, we created a membership program. And so that started off very kind of like hacky mm-hmm. um, where we literally just went and looked at who are our, you know, biggest spenders. And we created a segmented list and emailed them. We're like, you're our members. You're our top, you know, the hundreds customers. And so you're going to get first dibs to every new collaboration we release. And this is like in street where like, you know, drops are like, you know, a big thing, like being there at the right time, getting the first dibs on your size. Like that's a huge thing and things sell out fast. Mm -hmm. And so getting that early access was really, you know, people loved that. Mm -hmm. They felt like they were being rewarded um, for their investment in our company. And eventually that membership program evolved and we launched an app, a mobile app really easily through this, tool called Tapcart. Uh, And Tapcart is an app that integrates with Shopify. And it basically allows you to create an app, a mobile app with your Shopify backend system. Mm -hmm. And we launched that app for our members uh, and basically said like anyone who has the app will get first access. And we saw like crazy downloads coming through. And we, we, I think we launched like a G-Shock collab and we were like for 24 hours early, our app, you know, users will get access. And we like sold out before we even went live. Wow. <laughs> like people were like downloading like crazy. And we, we just kept doing this for all our releases until suddenly like 25% of our revenue shifted to the mobile app. Um, so 25% of our, you know, That's customers huge. were using app over like our, and I like, you know, I went into the whole app thing. I was like, kind of, you know, I don't know if people really want like an app for one specific brand on their, you know, in their phone. Right. That's like but, asking for a key real estate. But That's, also it's very specific. Yeah. Cause it's exclusivity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was the key yeah. to getting those downloads. Yeah. You, you can't there. just have an app. No, no, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> Which is what your hesitation was. Yeah. I mean, we had to find a way to like give incentive for people to download it and mm-hmm. have it. Mm-hmm. And another thing is like, you know, just having exclusive content is a good like, you know, strategy for doing that. Yeah. But yeah, the app worked really well and it just created this loop where like, 
you know, suddenly we had people like on Instagram posts being like, I'm a member, I'm going to get early access. Like when we were like post and promote things, they were like so excited. Like, are you guys members? Like it was just like a thing. Yeah, honestly, I I mean, I did that with Made With Map when I was growing that. We called them trailblazers. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just, it was almost permission Mm -hmm. to understand how to interact with this brand. Yeah. Like, I don't, it's such a, a really weird nuanced way. And I don't think that there's like, one single way a brand can do it. Yeah. But having programs like that mm-hmm. can really just activate a community. Yeah. And they're like, I get it. I know how you want me to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> gave me an in. Like, you gave me an in. Yeah. yeah. I was in. Yeah. But the only way I could show you that I was in was by purchasing. And that's usually yeah. you can do so much more. Mm-hmm. You just need to know how to communicate. Yeah. How do we scale? The yeah. way that we're going to interact. And customers want to interact with your brand. They, they want to give you feedback. They want to feel like they are part of this brand. Yeah. And so we actually launched, like after the membership program, we launched, I think it was like a year or two ago, text messaging. And it was directly run through Bobby. And so he was directly texting customers. Is that community? Yeah, uh-huh. community, um, which is an awesome tool. And it's different to your your usual text message marketing tools. Mm-hmm. Like they are very strict about like one-to-one conversations, no spamming. And so we came into it knowing that we were going to use it as like a way just to talk to our customers and followers, yeah, not to sell product. So like we had to go in with that mindset and the, you know, promoting of product could just be secondary. It could be like, oh, like we're, you know, a lot of people are just asking about the product. Like when's the next thing coming out? And this is now they have like this access. They have this like, ability to talk to our founder. Mm-hmm. And like so many of them would be like, it's not really you. It's not. And he'd be like, like send them a photo of himself, like a selfie. Like it is me. I'm talking to you. Wait, so how does community, can you explain how community works? Yeah. I mean, from... The back end, it essentially feels like for, so for our, for Bobby, it was just like him texting anyone. Uh-huh. That's how their app, the app feels. Um, so it's like, looks like iMessage, mm-hmm. but the desktop platform has a little bit more to it. You can actually start to do a bit of segmenting, but you have to tag customers. Um, it's a, it's still quite manual because they don't want to become a very automated marketing spamming platform. Point, right. Yeah. Yeah. So there is some limited automation and tagging and things like that in the mm-hmm. back end. Mm-hmm. But you can see everyone who subscribes, all the conversations. That's so nuts. So does yeah. he respond to every yeah. single one? Yeah. Oh my God. It's crazy. I don't know how. <laughs> but like he was so passionate about that. And that mm-hmm. was like so important for, I think it was just like, it was just so worthwhile. Yeah. And even if they don't get a response right away, like maybe he just like sets a time, like, you know, once every couple of days to go on there and just respond to people, you know, they just love the fact that they were getting that like direct inside. Now we have a direct line to the customer. It's not just them to us. We can talk to them directly. It's different through social media because you're like posting an image and you're like, what do you want to say about this? Like, what do you, how do you want to react to this? It's like, you're just pushing stuff out there, but now you can actually like have a real like human dialogue. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. So in I Love Creatives, we just started selling these nail stickers. There's like a green yin yang and these like pixel flowers, super cute. And I thought, you know, I'll just print out the label and figure all the shipping out and not a big deal. (laughs) Whoa, no. I have such respect now for fulfillment and shipping and 
that last mile, man, that is real. For any of you out there that have a product-based business or are thinking about it, I have to say getting a program like ShipStation is really gonna help you out. I used to do everything so manually and I was like, I don't wanna do this. I really don't wanna do this. I'd rather go sing karaoke or brush my cat's hair. I just don't wanna do this. So I have a Squarespace website and I hooked up ShipStation with it. And ever since then, it's just been a lot easier. Plus you get some really amazing discounts with major carriers, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS. It's crazy. Like I'll compare prices on UPS and on ShipStation and it's actually cheaper. And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, that's a no brainer. So with ShipStation, all of us small businesses, all of us micro businesses out there can access the same rates that are usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies without the contracts or commitments. That's the real deal right there. So ship more in less time for a lot less money. Just use my offer code GIRLBOSS to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in GIRLBOSS. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code GIRLBOSS. Make that ship happen! It's interesting that you're telling me this now about your evolution yeah. from paid to community to storytelling. Yeah. And then you decided to leave the hundreds mm -hmm. and start your own. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, was it hard to want to leave? Yeah. I mean, it was hard, but my, so my husband and I always talked about starting our own business. Yeah. That was just always in the picture. And we've always had like little side projects here and there. And we were always trying to figure out like, what is our thing? What is going to be our thing? And what is like our big plan? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I loved working at the hundreds. I love working for other brands, but I just knew that ultimately I wanted to do something that felt like it was mine. And maybe that's a very selfish, egotistical no. thing, but. Yeah, no, I mean, especially with your skill set. Mm -hmm. I think if there's any founder and if you wanted to get training wheels, mm -hmm and you're doing direct-to-consumer yeah. products or any kind of products, mm -hmm. becoming an e-com marketing manager, becoming an e-com yeah. marketing person, a digital director, a Whatever digital marketing person, like all of that is yeah. so key. Mm -hmm. And so you've been acquiring all these skills mm -hmm. and... Now I want to put it to practice. Put it to practice. Yeah. But you also knew probably in the back of your head how important it was that you kind of, you knew how much work it's going to take mm -hmm. to actually make yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why I didn't try to jump into it earlier because all of these experiences were so important because I, I knew I was still like getting more out of it because I, I'm going to use all this for my business. Mm -hmm. And so I think I, you know, I wanted to stick around long enough to feel confident enough in what I could do but also learn other things. Like I, I was doing marketing, but I was also starting to learn about how to manage a team. I was learning about the financial side of things and, you know, inventory and how to do inventory forecasting. So, you know, it, and there, there's never a right time. You could like work for someone forever and I could have like been there forever because I was happy, but I just knew there was like something else out there. And my husband and I just were like developing this idea kind of in the background 
And finally I was like, let's just, let's do it. And I just, I know I need to just like take the leap. And I kind of made a transition out of the hundreds and eased my way out. And they were very supportive of that. And now like it's my full-time job, basically just like planning for this new company. (laughs) Which is coming out in June. Yeah. June, 2021. Yeah. Wow. Very exciting. So exciting. But yeah, essentially we're making like a healthcare products company and we're launching with some key essentials that you would find at your corner drugstore. So things like lip balm, uh, hand sanitizer, which is a hot item right now, mm-hmm. a cream for aches and pains. We have an ointment for dry skin and we also have a drink for rehydration. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just realized like the experience of going to like CVS or like your drugstore wasn't like very enjoyable like you didn't feel very cared for. Mm-hmm. It's like bright lights and like carpeted floors. And it's always carpeted floors. Carpeted floors. Like I what mean, is in there? Like, you know, <laughs> like I feel like that carpet is absorbed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of sadness <laughs> yeah. walking through that. Yeah. And so we wanted to, ultimately we wanted to create an experience that where you feel cared for mm-hmm. and you're inspired to care for other people as well. And you can come to us for those kind of key essentials. And we're not going to sell you like, you know, 50 different, lip balms it's like there's one that's like really good and we think it's the best one yeah so yeah that's what we're doing hello fresh so i'm sure you've heard of hello fresh it's the recipes and groceries delivered right to your door basically skipping the grocery store and it makes you feel like you know how to cook (laughs) so if you never heard of hello fresh let me tell you a little bit about it so hello fresh offers 50 menu and market items each week, including ready to eat salads, sandwiches, and soups. I love soups. Even if it's a hot day, I love a soup. The best part about it, I tried out HelloFresh, and what I really liked about it is it really sticks to the 30 minute or less dinner. And you know what? Sometimes I finished in like 15 minutes. Yeah. I had a chili and it was so good. It was like perfect. And it had all of the fixins too, you know, the stuff that you want to put on top, like the scallions, sour cream, all the good stuff. It was just all there, packed up for you, ready to go. And the value is really good. HelloFresh is 28% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store and 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal. And it's fresh. Okay, here we go though. What's the deal? Because this offer is nuts. So go to HelloFresh.com slash GirlBoss14 and use code GirlBoss14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. I know. I know. 14 free meals. Let me say it one more time. Go to HelloFresh.com slash GirlBoss14 and use code GirlBoss14 for up to 14 meals plus free shipping. What kind of person do you need to be in order to pursue a job like this? You need to be curious. I think you just have to be always curious and you have to be fairly independent. Yes. Um, Because people are not going to hold your hand through this. Most people don't know how to do it. And so like, I think the the reason that I was able to move up in the companies I worked for was because I just did it independently. And when you come to people with numbers and data, they trust you. (laughs) There's like a create, like it's very empowering Uh to come to your CEO, to go to your execs and say to them, did you guys know that like we're getting 80% of our traffic from Instagram 
and Google traffic has decreased by like 70% in the past six months. And they'll be like, oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> like, that's a serious thing to know. You want to know that. But like people aren't looking under the hood every day. Mm-hmm. They're not looking that granular. Maybe they look at their monthly revenue, maybe traffic, but um, most execs are looking at very high level stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when you come to them and you say, I just found like this crazy trend that we're going through right now. And I think that we can inject ourselves and adjust it or change it or take advantage of this. They're going to be like, wow, I need you on this team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like no one else would have seen this. Yeah. And so... It's very empowering. And I think that's how I was able to go from, you know, at a startup from like, you know, marketing assistant to VP of growth. Cause mm-hmm. I, I just kept going to them and bringing numbers to them. And I was like, did you guys know this? Okay. So did you ever hire a junior position of you? So most of the people who've worked as in my junior position <laughs> were people who already were in the company okay. and were transitioning. And I was like, this person seems to have an eye for it. Like they could be good at this and we would try them out for it. But it's a very hard position to hire it's to find so hard like i've i've tried and like the thing is a lot of people who are in digital marketing are very specialized they're like email marketing person right or they are just facebook advertising person or search advertising not a lot of people have their hands in all the buckets and i think that's a huge advantage if you can be familiar with all of the different things and it's not easy it does require like time and like trying out a bunch of different things but it's accessible it's all there So for me, like, especially working in a smaller company, I need someone who can like do a bit of everything. Yeah. You know, at shoes.com, it was okay. We could work in one position and be good at one thing. But if I'm trying to hire someone at the hundreds or a smaller company, I want to know that you are thinking about copy. You're thinking about imagery. You're thinking about what platforms we can advertise on, but you're also thinking about the landing page. You're thinking about what products they're buying. Yeah. Inventory, like customer support. Yeah. You got to think about the entire picture. And that's a very hard thing. It's just a very hard thing to find and hire for, but it's something I do try to train in people. And I just, I think a lot of people feel like they had to go to school for that. Uh, I've actually had like, you know, I've had an employee who said to me, I I gave him like all these YouTube videos and I was like, go start a Facebook campaign. I want Mm -hmm. you to watch these videos. I want you to read these blog posts and then set up a campaign and he kept coming to me like every second, like for, with questions. And I would just be like, just do it. Just figure out. And he's like, it's not fair. You went to school for this. And I was like, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird position to be in. Cause like, I'm very lucky that I got to go to school for marketing, but I just want everyone out there to know that you do not need to go to school for this. Anyone can be a digital director. Anyone. Today. Yeah. Expe- especially yeah. today because it's so in demand. Yeah. And, and really... Okay. Let's let's just really be candid about this. Okay. I think that when you know, when you're saying like you need to look it up, mm-hmm. you really do need to google it. Yeah. And hunt. Yeah. for that answer. Yeah. Because learning how to hunt mm-hmm. for the answer mm-hmm. is the job. Yeah. as a digital director. You nailed it. You nailed it. Even for you, even through your career. The thing that worked at the real estate company didn't work anymore for yeah. shoes. Yeah, yeah. The thing that you were doing at shoes didn't work for the hundreds. Mm-hmm. The thing that worked for the hundreds six months ago isn't going to work for the hundreds anymore. No. You are always on the hunt yeah. for the new things. So you're always, in a way, living in uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You're almost you're almost more of an entrepreneur mm-hmm. than the founder is. Yeah. And you can see the entire thing from start to finish. Mm-hmm which is just so rewarding. So rewarding. Mm -hmm. So 
the one thing we're always trying to do here is redefine success. So how did you look at success before and how has Mm, that changed now? That's a good question. So when I was younger, starting my career, I very much viewed it as like a specific job title. Like I wanted to be marketing director, digital director, whatever. I didn't know at the time what it was, but I just knew I wanted to be high up in a business or I wanted to have my own business. And, you know, that involves money, having the, you know, a certain income. And my life changed a lot (laughs) when I came to the hundreds, my whole perspective on um, how brands and businesses work and how they impact people's lives. And I also went through a huge transformation in the past year. My, my dad passed and that really puts things into perspective. And now when you ask me like, what is success? To me, success is being surrounded by people you love and who love you. Hmm. It is cheesy, but I think when you go through these like major life events or like lose someone, even just leaving the hundreds, that was a huge life transition for me that put things into perspective. And I just realized that like success to me was just the people in my life. Mm. Uh, And I felt successful, empowered and happy when I had those people supporting me and when I felt like I was supporting them. So I think I will feel very successful with this new business once I create a team who loves what they do and enjoys working together and comes to work every day excited to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And to me, that will be success. It's just like creating that like team of people. Yeah. Because it's like, that's the day to day. That's everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you see every day. That's what you feel every day. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't feel the money in your bank account. (laughs) You don't like feel a position. It's like when you get a promotion, it's like, you know, it's great for like, you know, a couple of weeks and you're empowered. That's awesome. But like in the long run, it's just this like, like intangible feeling of being a part of like a community Mm -hmm. um, and a team where you all are like going towards the same thing and you're all excited about it. Yeah. So your new company is called OEM. Yes. It stands for? It's a funny story. (laughs) We originally started it and or like came up with a name because we couldn't trademark anything. We wanted to trademark OMA, which means grandma in Afrikaans, but couldn't get that. So OEM was just like three letters we put together and we liked the sound of it. <laughs> and then after we got the trademark, I, I went to Sean. I was like, Sean, I think we need to like come up with like a meaning. People are gonna ask. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. And so, <laughs> and so I, he, I don't know how he thought of it, but he was just like on earth momentarily. And I was like, oh my God, I love that. (laughs) And I think um, that's gonna connect very deeply to like what we're doing, the messaging we wanna put out there Mm -hmm. and all the learning that I've done recently and how I define success. We're here very in a very brief moment on earth together. And so I think we just didn't make this, you know, this moment enjoyable. We need to be good to each other. We need to care for each other. And I think we just need to savor what we have. Um, So, it just worked. It just worked out. <laughs> it's a great name. Go, go, Shun. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Shun. <laughs> thank you so much, Kaylee. Make sure to check out oem.care to get that nourishing lip balm, some of those rehydrating drink packs. And the packaging, super cute. Congrats on your launch, Kaylee. And thank you again for all the wonderful takeaways 
So the best way you can support Girl Boss Radio is by clicking that good old subscribe button. And of course, we always appreciate ratings and reviews. It's so great hearing what you are interested in and what really hit for you. Girl Boss Radio is a production of I Love Creative Studio. Original music composed by Nija. This episode was produced by Juliana Clark, Monty Leonard, Christopher Olin, and Courtney Kosak. Engineering was done by Michael Castaneda, and our editorial director is Clemence. Special thanks to Nora Agency, Kaylee, and Nicole. Welcome, Nicole. Until next week, Puno out. <laughs>